Al-Jazeera Podcast. A third term for Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Economic problems at home and balancing east-west relations are just two of the urgent challenges he faces. So what does Erdogan's re-election mean for Turkey and for the wider world? I'm Fuli Batibo and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Well, let's bring in our guests now for today's Inside Story. In Istanbul is Helene Sari Artem, Associate Professor of International Relations at Istanbul Medeniyet University. In Peterborough is Ben Harris, Founder and Editor-in-Chief of BNE IntelliNews. And in Istanbul as well is Ono Erim, political advisor and president of Dragoman Strategies. A warm welcome to all three of you. Thank you so much for joining us on Inside Story. Onur in Istanbul, let me start with you, please. In his victory speech, President Erdogan called for unity and solidarity. With 48% of Turks voting for change, how is he going to unite such a polarised country? Will he extend an olive branch to the opposition? Well, I mean, uh, his uh, speech, which is uh, now known to be as, as, as his balcony speech, uh, did start with uh, you know expressions of that he will need everyone's support and everyone coming together to achieve the goals of the uh, the next century, as as he pretty much uh, you know labeled uh, Turkey's next uh, motto, going into the second 100 years of uh, of the Turkish Republic. Um, as far as the, the numbers that he has gotten, uh, do realize that uh, in the last two presidential elections, 2014 and 2018, uh, this is not much difference except for maybe a decimal or two for mm. Erdogan. The 52-48 split has been there at least since 2014. How is he going to bring those 48% of Turks who didn't vote for him on board? Well, first of all, the, the first two rounds, the, the first two times, there were no second round, there were no runoffs. Uh, I mean, the first one, the second one wasn't. And listen, he has been battling politically against everybody in Turkey, all the entire opposition, which are, uh, which are, you know, they're like day and night, most of these guys that got together under Kılıçdaroğlu's candidacy, uh, they got together just to get rid of Erdogan. I think he was battling against everybody else. He still in the first round was able to, uh, you know, surpass Kılıçdaroğlu by more than, almost more than five points, which is pretty much uh, about four points now, more than two and a, close to two and a half million votes, just over two million votes this time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't necessarily, I don't know if you can call that polarization, okay. uh, you know, because most of the presidential races in, in countries with presidential systems, this is basically, I mean, you would probably consider this a landslide if, if it was in the U.S. Okay. So I think well, let's ask uh, we should stop. Yeah. Helene, no what are your thoughts on this? Onur says this isn't a country that's polarized necessarily and that President Erdogan's victory is a decisive one. It is decisive. If it's not polarized, uh, it, do you share that point, first of all, that it, this is not a polarized country? And how does Erdogan oh. unite Turks today? Well, uh, it is a polarized country, unfortunately, and this trend is a global trend. So Turkey is not the only example in which uh, polarization is getting higher and higher. We see the same trend in the United States. We see a similar trend in most of the European countries as well, inside their own uh, societies. Actually, people are uh, trying to decide about the fate, about their fate, about their future way of living. 
And in, in terms of this perspective, we see that Turkish society is somehow split into two, because one side is quite secular and liberal, and the other side is quite conservative, as well as nationalist. We have seen and witnessed uh, a huge rise of Turkish nationalism, especially in this last couple of weeks, in the first and second round of the presidential elections, and especially President Erdogan's uh, policy Mm. for this election was mainly based on uh, Turkish nationalism. Right. I'm not sure whether the half of the Turkish society, I mean the opposition part, is feeling uh, themselves as Tur Turkish nationalists that much, because the narratives that the, uh, Erdogan and his party, that Erdogan and his party is using, is mainly taking its root from history, from Ottoman past, from the concurrence of Istanbul, from the past uh, coup d'etat in 2060. So it's mainly a, about a conservative past as okay. well as a, a very Turkish nationalist past. Okay. Uh, before I bring in uh, Ben into the conversation, Onur, uh, I'm going to allow you to respond to what uh, Eileen just said and also ask you about what President Erdogan is going to be now towards his policy is going to be towards the nationalists. Uh, and he reached out to them during the campaign, of course. Is that trend going to continue? Well, you have to realize his number one supporter politically is the uh, the nationalist uh, MHP party, uh, mm -hmm. who is the second oldest party in Turkey. He has been uh, collaborating with them under the same coalition for at least six, seven years. And there's all the indications that he will continue. So I don't think there's going to be any difference in approach as far as he's concerned, his policies are concerned, when it comes to you know feeling uh, very close to uh, of those nationalist views. And as I said, uh, I think polarization is, is really mistaken in, in Turkey as opposed to anywhere else. Uh, people here, the, the, as soon as the race is over, the elections are over, uh, people just are going about their ways. Let's not, uh, you know, mistake the, the wars going on in social media uh, between the, the, the parts or, or the polarized parts, as, as they call, uh, with the regular public. Um, more than half my family is uh, extremely opposed to uh, to Erdogan. Mm. A lot of my friends are. We have no problem. This okay. is, when you talk about polarized political sides in Turkey, I don't think it's the same thing as most outside of, outside of Turkey would understand to be okay. so. Let's get Ben's thoughts on this. Ben, do you expect now a much more conciliatory tone and approach from President Erdogan now mm -hmm. that the election is over? Will he be more focused on uniting the country? I don't think so. I mean, Erdogan is um, all about power. And if you watch his career, um, as he rose, uh, set up the AK Party um, that has just won his party. Um, but that was based in uh, Islam conservative values. And we've been talking about here polarization. I think it's better to describe it as a divided country, and it's symptomatic of its place uh, in Europe. I mean, right on the edge, and half the country is looking east to to the Arab world, and the other half is looking to Europe. And um, I think it's notable that you know Erdogan has led this this sort of uh, conservative Islamic nationalistic tainted campaign um whereas the opposition the, the republican people's party i mean this is the party of ataturk the, the founder of the modern state and it was very much he committed turkey to to a liberal um secular state we, we uh, my correspondents uh, in turkey box pop young people uh, young professional liberals and they're looking to the uh, to the west they're looking to europe and uh, many of them said that if a country continues to go down this increasingly conservative path that they would leave they would have sticks 
can go. And I think that's the issue here is that it's not polarized so much, it's divided between these two different ideas of where the country should go. And the country just voted in Erdogan, which means it's going to go down that more socially conservative, more religious orientated line than okay. it had done before. So the reconciliation is trying to bring those two parts together. Um, it doesn't; they don't really fit. Right. Okay. So two two different ideas, you say, Ben, of where to take Turkey. Let me come to you now, Onur, and talk about the immediate challenges, domestic challenges that President Erdogan faces, and that is, of course the struggling Turkish economy, one of them, the main one. What are we going to see in terms of economic policy? Will we see a U-turn from President Erdogan on some of his more controversial economic policies to deal with the skyrocketing inflation? Well, you could say a lot of things about President Erdogan. Uh, one thing you got to give him, though, he's, he's, a, he's a leader, he's, he's a political uh, figure that actually is, is keeps a very good beat of, of the of the public of the uh, of the citizens so if he has to change things around if, if if he deems so he will he will do it right away right now it's no of course secret that the turkish economy has been under heavy fire you know especially from the west uh, and that it has been you know it has its, its own issues that that's been going along going along for a long time but the thing is uh despite all of these despite the uh, the big war right next to us mm -hmm. despite the troubling economy in in especially in western europe which is our biggest export partner and despite the fact that the usa is is really struggling financially i think turkey is holding its own pretty good now how long can can we can we last, and how long can he can he get this going? We will have to see. But for sure, he is definitely has definitely promised for better days economically for the entire Turkish population. Better days and, economically. And, Are I, we going to see him change his policy on on these low interest rates? I don't think so. Okay. I don't All think right. so. And he's actually and and the, the and and there is a lot of uh, you know despite the uh, the very heavy. Uh, you know, media against him on this. Uh, there's actually a lot of papers coming out, as it has been before, uh, trying, you know, maybe questioning what he was doing was wrong while, while everybody was in raising interest rates for him to lower the interest rates. But as I said, this is a, uh, this is a very debatable issue. Okay. I could go on for well, hours and hours. Let's, let's hear from Ben, we'll who see. wanted to jump in on that. Ben, what do you think about the economic policies? Will we see him deviate from these uh, unorthodox, or what some would say unorthodox policies he's had? on the economy? Uh, unorthodox is, is a massive understatement. Uh, he's convinced, he said in an interview with Bloomberg, that if you lower interest rates at the central bank, then you bring inflation down, which mm. flies in the orthodoxy because it's the other way around. And you, you mentioned uh, that Turkey's got 50% inflation. Um, we think those numbers are highly massaged and that it's much higher. And yet he's reduced, or the central bank has reduced interest rates by 500 basis point, 5%, um, which is insane. So the currency has gone from three lira to the dollar down to 20 now. And the analysts are saying that there's going to be another, now the elections are over and now the, 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 the central bank's going to let go of some of the controls because it has mm -hmm. to. There's going to be another 25% devaluation. Yeah. And at the same time, um, the reserves have virtually run out because they've been trying to hold the lira stable before the elections. And at the same time, Turkey's running a whopping $50 billion a year trade deficit. And this is all unsustainable. So okay. Turkey is headed or is in a massive economic crisis already. It's just I mean, not manifested. 
Well, yeah, Helene, there are indeed concerns that the Turkish Central Bank can't continue to prop up the lira. President Erdogan has said he is the one who can deal with this economic crisis. Do you believe that? Well, we can, um, I think, assume that the Turkish society, uh, as the majority of, uh, part of it, uh, actually bought this statement and uh, underlined their support for Erdogan, that he is the one who is going to solve every kind of problem. And uh, as well, uh, also, we also have to understand that the, most of the society also thinks that, yeah, the economy is bad, we have problems, but at the same time, he's the cure. And so uh, opposition couldn't um, change this idea about Erdogan. There's a huge trust on him as the strong man. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also have to underline that the big cities are different from the other local parts of Anatolia. And the main uh, parts of the world are coming from Anatolia, small cities, uh, local places in which the people are not suffering as much as those people living in big cities regarding the high inflation, regarding the high rent and so on. Uh, for that reason, we can assume that uh, President Erdogan's main support is coming from Anatolia, not okay. the uh, big cities, metropoles like Istanbul, Ankara and Izmir. Uh, there, are, there will be problems. There will be a hard time ahead of us. Uh, everybody accepts that. The only mm -hmm. difference uh, between the opposition and Erdogan's supporters is that the, the people, majority, who are supporting Erdogan are ready to suffer much more just to save him as the leader, because most of these people are also mm. thinking that this is a kind of a Western game being played uh, against Turkey. High inflation is a part of this uh, anti-Turkey uh, rhetoric. Right. Uh, as President Trump in the past, for example, he used the sentence that he has the, the, the ability to play with Turkish in, uh, economy mm -hmm. just with a tweet. Uh, right. For that reason, many of the people are thinking that this is actually a responsibility of the West and, right. the, and Erdogan is the right person to okay. solve. Okay. Before we talk about what we can expect on the international stage, I wanted to touch on the issue of the Syrian refugees. And Onur, come to you about this. Uh, President Erdogan has promised to send back one million Syrians over the next few years. Is this feasible? Is this possible? Or was that just campaign rhetoric? He actually said he will set the stage... Uh, a livable, humane stage for a million people to go back to Syria. Mm -hmm. And as it was uh, just announced, I think a couple of weeks before the elections, uh, there was a deal uh, or, or a collaboration, I should say, rather, made with the uh, state of Qatar to build, uh, you know, housing and, and, and all the social surroundings of it uh, for, for a million refugees to go back to at least the, 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 uh, the controlled and the safe part of Syria. So, yes, he said he, he never used the word he will send them back. He always is very careful about that. He said he will set the stage and give all the uh, necessary, make sure that all the necessary things are done for mm. them to go back willingly. And that's okay. really the difference between Erdogan and everybody else. Uh, ben, your thoughts about the issue of Syrian refugees. Uh, presumably, the Europeans are happy that Erdogan is still in power because he's been able to deal with the Syrian refugee crisis and uh, perhaps not allow the refugees to get into the European Union. How, how do you see this evolving now that he's been re-elected? Well, he's, he's been very pragmatic. He's been using it uh, as a card. I mean, the reason why the Europeans were happy that uh, they didn't turn up in Europe was that Europe paid billions of dollars in order for him to keep them. And mm. in that sense, he's become very transactional. 
in a lot of his foreign relations, uh, he's become transactional about what he can get out of it. And he uses the issue of the refugees as a card that he can play in order to extract concessions from Europe in the form of cash. Um, in the Middle East, there's a reconciliation going on rapidly at the moment that um, Iran and Saudi Arabia have just um, mended fences after nine years of uh, no diplomatic relations. Mm. Um, the same thing with Syria itself. It's just been readmitted to the Arab League. Right. And so here he has these million refugees um, that Sakari can play with that. And I think he's going to be very careful about it. But he definitely, because of his relatively poor relations with Europe, in the sense right. that he's been trying to get you and he's never been able to do it that he's also looking to the east the middle east as well mm. in order to who has the upper hand has... right now ben sorry to interrupt you but who has the upper hand now in the relationship between turkey and the eu and is he still interested in getting to the european union given the strained relations we've seen well he's he um, <clears throat> they were granted in what was it late 80 89 and 1999 given candidate status and they've been left in the waiting room ever since. And I think he said in 2017, he's basically given up on it because Merkel herself, a German chancellor, stood up and said Turkey will never get it. So I think it's clear it's not. But EU remains a major market um, and Turkey is very interested in that. So he wants to maintain those good relations. But right. at the same time, there's non-aligned thing going on that's being led by China and Russia. And he's also interested in doing that. And I think, I think he sees himself in the middle of the spider's web with mm. good relations to the West relations to the east yeah and the, and good relations with the middle east as well right. so i mean again refugee issue is a card to play in that game okay helene let me ask you about the the relationship now with the east and west president erdogan has got one foot in nato but he's also got one foot turned towards moscow towards russia is this a position that's tenable in your view yeah, this will continue. And this is in total harmony with Turkey's traditional foreign policy approach. It's a balancing act since mm. the very beginning of the Republic. For that reason, especially in the last couple of years, we observed that uh, Erdogan and his party is uh, going through a kind of rapprochement with many of the neighboring countries, inc including Syria. We are getting closer with Egypt, with the Gulf countries, with United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, even uh, Greece in the West. Uh, right. And this rapprochement will continue because this is quite beneficial for Turkey. Uh, economically, we need this rapprochement with the neighboring countries. And uh, as well as this, also this is uh, very important to improve Turkey's soft power, which uh, was lost to a great extent with the increase of the hard power, especially in uh, Syrian civil war. I also expect that there will be, soon there will be a kind of uh, handshaking between Erdogan and Assad in Syria. And I mm -hmm. think if Turkey can manage that, uh, the problem of Syrian refugees, the refugees will also uh, be solved quite clearly, quite easily right. uh, by sending them back after a rapprochement with the Assad regime. Okay. Uh, Onur Elin says she expects a handshaking between Erdogan and uh, Syria's Assad uh, very soon. What about the relationship with Washington, D.C. and NATO also? I mean, one of the point of tensions with NATO has been uh, Turkey agreeing for Sweden to join the military alliance. Do you see that happening? And how does the relationship with Biden now move forward? Well, I'm just uh, making throw in a little, little fact uh, to a previously made, uh, to me, a very unjustified uh, comment that Turkey is, is being, Turkey is being made look like uh, he, that she is uh, sort of using this as a card against Europe to get money. Uh, Turkey only received just over $6 billion from the European Union. 
in, in exchange, Turkey has spent more than $45 billion on the Syrian refugees. So to call Turkey uh, holding this as a stake against Europe to get money is, is first, unbased, and secondly, very unjust. Uh, going back to what happens with NATO, well, I guess when you say NATO, you really talk, we're really talking about the United States. I don't know. Biden has to decide. Um, no one has really come up to date as to why Biden and, to a degree, uh, Trump in his, in his last uh, year or two was so hostile against Turkey. No one has really come up with an answer or an explanation as to why Turkey was not delivered the F-35s that, it was, that, it, that, that she paid for. Or no one was able to explain why uh, Turkey was ousted from the F-35 program uh, you know, once as single-sidedly without any reason mm -hmm. and against all the, uh, you know, contracts that have been signed. So I think uh, what happens next uh, between the relationship, the, the, the Turkish-American relationship, really depends on how the how Biden administration uh, and, the, and the United States government acts. I think the burden is upon them to make right. the next move. What, what about uh, the accession of Sweden to NATO uh, Onur, will President Erdogan now accept to ratify Sweden's accession now that the election is over? Look, it's no secret that these are uh, mostly uh, political decisions. But to, I, Erdogan put, you know, in, in the beginning, uh, put, a, put a very straightforward, uh, you know, uh, statement out there that uh, the international recognized terrorist organizations, they do something about it. Uh, that he will he will continue, and if they don't, if they you know continue to harbor these terrorists, mm -hmm. who are you know maybe some are not accepted as terrorists every, some, everywhere, but some are. Right. Erdogan said he will not move. But okay. saying having said that, I do understand that these are more political decisions than anything else. Okay, Ben, I'll give you the last word and allow you to respond to to Onur, who was saying that it's not right to call Turkey's relationship with the EU transactional, and also get your thoughts about uh, the future of the relationship with Washington and Russia at the same time. Well, all complicated issues. I mean, I see it as transactional in the sense that you know, with the issue of Sweden's membership of NATO, that the, Turkey rolled over and accepted Finland straight away. Um, but as my colleague was saying, you know, there's these um, the, the Kurdish. Um, uh, People's Party, the PKK, uh, and they a lot of those uh, guys who have taken refuge in Sweden. And uh, Erdogan's made it very clear that you need to a lift the sanctions that were imposed on us um, about five years ago, and b you need to extradite these guys um, who we claim or believe or see as terrorists. Um, Sweden went as far as putting through a new terrorist law, which comes into effect on June first. And my understanding of it is that uh, Ankara is waiting to see the effect of that and whether if any of these guys, are, PKK guys, are extradited back to Turkey before mm. he goes ahead and takes off the um, uh, agrees to NATO's um, agrees to to NATO, uh, Sweden joining NATO. As for Washington, I mean, yeah, the the issue with the fighter jets, the U.S. made fighter jets, has also been a um, a thorn in the side and haven't been sent. But again, that's part of the the problem with. That was it was scuppered because Erdogan agreed to buy this S-400 uh, anti-missile system from Russia, which is non-NATO, and uh, the Americans took great exception to that. And this is mm. what's ended up as a between those two things. And it's an example both of Erdogan playing both sides. It's also an example of him wanting to develop 
his own uh, military capacity and not be totally dependent on NATO. And okay. Washington, in that sense, don't see Turkey as a team player, although it's part of the alliance. And Erdogan sits in the middle, playing both sides every time. Um, okay. And this is what is not the trouble. We, we, we're going to have to leave it there. Obviously, there's still a lot of ground to cover in this conversation, but we'll leave it there for today. Thank you so much to all three of you for joining us on Inside Story. Helene Sari, Artem, Onur Erim and Ben Aris. Thank you. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Umari Stambouli, Fungi Nguyen and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Aston Goodison. The program was edited by Vishnu Sheila, Lin Nguyen and Joe DeFries. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Tuesday for our next edition. Thank you.